Welcome to Ask Cadence, everybody. My name is Pete Wright, and I am sitting around the table with Rod Sharman. Hello, Rod. Hi, Pete. Hello, and uh, Jake Christensen yes, back Pete. again. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Good to be back. <laughs> we, uh, we have been talking for the last uh, six weeks about our uh, 19 techniques for managing people who do not report to you. And we have covered, uh, we've com- covered the gambit. We've talked about uh, uh, you know, building a coalition, building a framework about your project. We've talked about establishing roles and commitments. We've talked about you know, how to most effectively break up tasks. We've talked about learning styles. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about, uh, uh, about critical task status meetings and, and, uh, and, and working on problem-solving techniques. Uh, uh, Jay, why don't you kick us off? Yes, uh, sometimes uh, people get the idea that the status meeting is the one and only place that we ask for progress on a particular activity or a particular task. And um, that's just not enough in most cases, particularly if you recall that critical impacts are those tasks that if they are uh, delayed, then likely the project will be delayed. These are the most important activities on the project. Those need lots of careful management. And that's why we advocate that the status meeting is not the one and only place. It is the place for everyone to hear the status of the tasks in the active window. But the project manager needs to interact with the person responsible for those tasks on a frequent basis to understand what is the progress that is or is not being made and what are the problems that are currently in the way of achieving task results. Then uh, we talked in a previous session about uh, breaking work down. And if a task, a critical impact activity, is now in trouble, the projected status is red, this would be an opportunity for the project manager to get into some um, actions to take this task with the owner and the task team and break that task into smaller pieces so that we can see more clearly what is left to be done, what are the problems that we can expect to occur with the remaining work that's on the task. I think one of the things to in, in uh, linking with what you were saying, Jay, is that it's always good to remember, and it always seems to be get to be forgotten, that planning never stops until the project is over. The activity of having a kickoff and putting a plan together is our roadmap of what we believe is going to happen at that point in time. But we know things are going to change. So to Uh, reiterate what Jay was saying, it is often at a point in time where you're looking at particular situations and problems on the project, that what you are doing is taking that level of planning to another level of clarity and level of uh, understanding of what's got to be done. So that constant forward thinking for me is one of the critical things that makes a project manager successful and helping to overcome those 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 problems of so forward thinking and being constantly proactive so finding out where these problems are may come later it may be you ha- you sense early on in the project that you're going to have the problems rather trying to identify what they absolutely are at this point in time it may be something that you know 
will be clarified when more is known, the dust is settled, and then you take some of these larger tasks to a lower level of detail. As opposed to just fundamentally saying, we've got to start off at the beginning of this project knowing exactly what all the problems are going to be. Truth is, you're not. Well, sure, and it flies in the face of the folks, of the I don't have time to plan folks, too. Absolutely. I, I mean, really what we're talking about is the, um, is the uh, ability to contain visibility, but also know exactly where, to, where you need to coach if things look like they're starting to, to rise in red status, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's really what we're talking about, is how do you maintain that ongoing visibility and authority over people who don't report to you? Right. And, and uh, to Rod's point, if people are not, at this point, really willing to look for problems, then what you might be able to do is say, fine, what we could do instead is take a run at the risks that could happen on these critical impact activities. This doesn't mean that we have to do problem solving at that point, but it is a way to get people to anticipate what could go wrong with an activity and then be thinking about <clears throat> ways to respond to that risk in a manner that enables the project to continue to move towards accomplishing uh, CSP. And driving that one step uh, further back, Jay, the start of risk analysis comes from looking at your assumptions. So you can, uh, you can actually ask the question in that context as well. We've made this assumption that five engineers will be available for 15 hours on, from this date to this date. What will happen if that assumption doesn't come true? Which is another way of saying that's a risk in the project, therefore we're doing a certain amount of what if. And when you get into the what if, the, uh, the what if actually identifies where the, what the problem will be. I, I, there's a, I, uh, forgive me, those in the Marines, uh, I think it's a U.S. Marine Corps adage or part of the code that says uh, crisis management does not come from scanning the horizon for possible problems. It comes from scanning every possible horizon mm -hmm. or every conceivable horizon. Uh, and staying on top of it. Now, how once you have uh, once you have have developed this sort of uh, a process for managing visibility of issues that come up, how do you go about, you know, uh, dealing with uh, or, or coaching your team members as they uh, as you work together to solve problems? Yeah, um, <clears throat> really, really effective. I've seen it happen a number of times, and that is the problem solving tool, where we identify what is the impact of the problem if we don't get it addressed. What are at least four alternatives? And then what is their impact on the project? And we can make a recommendation based on our analysis of the impact of the alternatives would have on the project CSP. But also come along, uh, what comes with this is for the project manager <coughs> to not prematurely shoot an alternative down because he or she believes that it won't work. Instead, what is a more effective approach is to ask the individual, if we chose that alternative, what are some implementation activities that we would need to do in order to uh, make your alternative effective? And sometimes by having the people think through the detailed steps necessary to implement their alternative, they find problems with their own alternative and it uh, prevents the project manager from uh, saying too early that won't work. To add to, uh, to, to that point, um, 
to help give them some guidelines as to what alternatives to give consideration is rem always remember that it's absolutely critical that a project manager knows and conveys to the team what is the most important thing to management in terms of what does management have focus on? Maintaining the budget, meeting the deadline, or delivering quality and scope on the project. In other words, what's the most important element of cost schedule performance, and of the other two, where do we have most flexibility? So that you give them some framework so that the alternatives they look at are not going to compromise where management is at and immediately get rejection from management. In other words, if schedule's the most important thing, don't make suggestions that's going to cause schedule to slip. Final word on that one for project managers, don't assume that what is established in terms of priority of cost schedule and performance at the beginning of the project will remain intact throughout the life of the project. You have to be constantly touching base with management to ensure you clearly understand their needs. Uh, Pete, we've spent uh, some period of time talking about these techniques for managing people. And uh, I feel that these are as crucial to project success as the project management process itself. Because um, few of us have the luxury of managing the people that are on the project team. So we have no administrative control or authority over these folks whatsoever. Yet we still need their participation and still need their accomplishment of the tasks that they've taken responsibility for. So that's why uh, we feel strongly that these techniques will help project managers get projects done in spite of the fact that they're not administratively managing the people on the project. Reflecting over uh, the years that I've been uh, teaching and, and doing consulting from China to Finland, when reviewing the learning objectives, this particular learning objective is the most popular one with everybody, wherever you are. It's the what project management is all about. This is the real stuff. And, you know, there's an old adage that we believed in at Cadence for, for a long time, is that it's, it's managing people that makes projects successful. And you don't have the purity of a, of, of a functional manager to direct people what they're going to do, demand things of them. So you have to manage people and have strong uh, interpersonal skills. And these techniques are practical techniques that we've seen work in helping people who are managing projects deal with people who do not work, re report directly to them. There are several critical skills that I think are absolutely essential for project people. And uh, several of those are political skills, communication skills, negotiation skills, and people skills. And as Rod said, um, think of a project where you were working by yourself. There were no other team members on that project. And just tell me, please, when's the last time that that that's happened? And my point is, is that every project that we work on, we work with people. And we need to understand how to get these people uh, to get behind the project, be motivated by the project, and deliver project results. 
could not and won't say it any better than that. Uh, Jens, thank you so much for your time these last uh, several weeks uh, as we have uh, wrapped up this discussion on 19 techniques for managing people who do not report to you. For more information on Cadence and any of the services and training that we offer, please check out cadencemc.com. And uh, on behalf of uh, Jay Christensen and Rod Sharman, most gracious thanks, Jens. And uh, I'm Pete Wright. This has been Ask Cadence. Thank you.